Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes completely eradicating not just reducing completely eradicating i believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for mondays not fridays and get to do their most meaningful work the aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content but instead shift the context under which you operate this podcast is titled choosing leadership because that is what leadership is a choice In each episode I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices which are not always easy and comfortable but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action as those were the moments when you chose leadership at the end i will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast and with that let's get started rajshri is the founder ceo of a tech- technical consulting firm and the managing director of mythistical foundation in the interview rajshri shares her journey from breaking barriers and her early struggles as a non technical woman leading a team of architects and how she overcame societal biases and self doubt her story of transformation began when she faced her fears head on and learned to defy norms emphasizing the importance of knowledge and discipline her journey is an inspiring reminder that it is never too late to start and that empowering oneself with the right knowledge is the key to making a significant impact hi rajshri welcome to the choosing leadership podcast Thank you very much. It's my pleasure for having me on your podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Why don't you start by sharing a little bit of uh, yourself, right? Who you are and what is it that keeps you busy? Thank you very much. Uh, so I'm Raj Shri Rao. I'm a corporate veteran. I have 21 years of industry experience, having worked with IBM, Intel, SAP, and my last job was with Rolls Royce. I was a vice president heading the AI innovation and partnership and ecosystems for uh, uh, APAC region post pandemic. I moved out of my corporate career and I started my own foundation called uh, Mythistical Foundation and uh, also just recently established my technology company called Techwood Spa Consulting. Hmm. The foundation started when my once my preceptor told me that empowerment has to begin from roots and he always inspired me that I need to do something very significant in my life. So I was based in Singapore for last 10 years just before pandemic is when I moved to India and at the time I realized what he had taught me that it's not like you sit somewhere else and say I want to transform the world or make a difference in the world it is when I moved back to my roots I understand that I need to start my journey here so likewise even in us the empowerment begins within ourselves we have to go to the source understand what we need to do and what we have to undo and then begin the journey it's a similar thing even when giving back so that is when i took the step of moving back to india 
and have established this foundation where my foundation focus on three important, rather four important aspects. The number one is called a mythistical way of life. It's a knowledge enablement through experiential learning for holistic living. And through this, the reason why we focus that this is num as a number one function is because empowerment cannot happen without right knowledge. So knowledge plays a very critical role and it becomes the foundation of becoming empowered. So one is knowledge and the second most important thing is application of knowledge. If you don't implement what you learn, then how do you understand to become empowered or what is it you want to transform yourself doesn't happen. So application becomes very integral and that comes with experiential learning. So this is what I have journeyed for the last 15 years under my preceptor. Having constantly learning and applying and many a time it's not easy to apply because what you do uh, is you learn. Yes, but when the time of application happens, that is when you're going to miss out because it's very yes. easy said than done. So yeah. this became for me a give back to the world, what I have judged and what I have been able to achieve. So that's number one function. And second is to work with the rural women development and uh, working, providing microfinance, girl child education and women's health. Third one is the agriculture, focusing on trying to enable farmers of uh, regenerative agriculture and integrated farming, uh, adapting the best of both the worlds, ancient techniques and modern methodologies. And the last but not the least is um, revival of its mythistical arts, revival of Indian art, culture and tradition, uh, yeah. which is my, it's very close to my heart. Thank you for sharing that story. And I want to go deeper there. But before that, I want to focus on your roots, right? Because you use this word a few times. Can you share a bit more of, of your roots? How you got started into business, into leadership? And like, where do these dot connects which led you to like uh, coming back to India or having a big moment where you decided to do that? Once again, uh, that's a wonderful question. I'm going to go back into my past. It was happened when I was in IBM. So I'm not an engineering grad. So I'm just a business management, like bachelor's of degrees. I've done my BCom. So in one role of mine in IBM, I was a program manager and I was leading a project. I had to lead a bunch of geeks, all you know, senior architects. Everybody were an architect and I was the only one who was a non-engineer background. Plus I was not an architect. So according to them, it was that those times back in 2006, seven. it was very much, it's an age where everybody believed you have to be an engineer, you have to be a software engineer, you have to be an architect. That's what is value add. So for me to fit into the team was very difficult because according to them, it was below their, I wouldn't say it's a dignity is the right word, but below their means to report into me, somebody who's mm. a non-tech and also a woman. So I had to battle both being a non-techie and a woman. Um, very interestingly, I did not lose myself, but of course, the way they treated me within me, I was going through too much of emotions, a kind of mm. feeling small, all the kind yeah. of challenge I faced, but I've never expressed outside. You will mm. not be able to see that this is what I was going through. And then there was, there was literally a moment where I worked really hard to fit within the team and to lead the team and also show them, look, I don't have to be an architect. My job is to be a program manager where I can talk the language of business and technology, which is required mm. for my role to play very well and manage the team who are experts in the field to deliver the project. And crossing my fingers, it, it went off very well. And I received a commendable uh, letter and a feedback 
from the CTO mm. of my client organization. Um, they appreciated me and our, my team. And it was extremely well received because this is a pet project of the chairman's office. So it was a significant success for IBM. Um, it was commendable. So for me, I had been able to break the glass ceiling uh, by doing what I did very dedicatedly. But the problem that came about is, why should I doubly prove myself? And that is when once my mentor told me, and I constantly kept telling, I'm non-techie, I'm non-techie. This word, I, it became like my jargon line. Because somewhere subconsciously, what I had experienced got embedded. So that left a stigma in my mind. So I started believing that I'm a non-techie. And once uh, one of my mentors told me, stop saying you're a non-techie. Because what you do is transforming. And he said once, he was one of the senior most uh, fellows in the organization. Adam. He said, we both are this two sides of the same coin. Whatever I develop has no value if you don't go and influence and sell. So that became very empowering. So to me, that was a moment. And it was phenomenal. I, I for one moment, didn't think that from that moment that I'm a non-techie. And mm. it also evolved much later. I would like to add this one bit. When I was working in Singapore, I was driving the Smart Nation initiatives for the government and public sector. And at that time, IoT was the jargon word, the big projects and Smart Nation was a big deal. But I something, I have this intuition or I could sense something is going wrong. The hmm. approach was not going right because I saw what was happening at the ground level and I was seeing how everybody is approaching. So it was a tops-down approach and I was like, no, this cannot be a tops-down approach. It has to be a bottom-up approach. And at the time, with all the corporate biggies, and mm. I was just a small fish in that entire ocean. And at that time, my preceptor said, why don't you start writing? First thing I told him, I'm not a techie. How do you think I can write about this? He was baffled at my response. And then he realized my stigma of believing myself as a non-techie had continued for many years somewhere subconsciously. Mm -hmm. And it was one moment he kept pushing me. He empowered me. He constantly kept telling, no, you can do this. You have done this in IBM. You can do this. You can do this. And there was one day he finally said, can you just do for once, listen to me. And with that, I, thought, I sat back. It was one of the Saturday afternoons. And I still remember I sat down and I very calmly, I was just trying to recollect what he had taught me and said, I should give it a try. So I went back and I just, I was working with Land Transport Authority of Singapore. So I said, I can write an article on uh, urban transportation and how IOP is playing a key mm. role in it. So I researched, I studied and I sat through and I came up with the article I sent to him. And he just frantically made a call to me and he asked, did you write this? I said, yes. This is a New Yorker piece. So that one Eureka moment hmm. transformed my life. And today I'm the top 50 global thought leaders and influencers in, in emerging technologies like AI, cloud computing, 5G, IoT, AR, VR, smart cities, ecosystems, and metaverse, robotics, you name it. Thank it you. was that yeah. inspiration that led me to where I am. In yes. This Thank you for sharing that. So there are so many... Uh, reflections that I was having as you were talking about this. First, course, first of all, I have uh, been a techie, so I could totally relate to what you are describing. It, it sometimes become a part of our egos as engineers or as even men when you are either reporting to a woman or like reporting or talking to a non-techie. So I could totally 
relate to that. And also there is a parallel because for a very long time, I did not give myself permission to become an entrepreneur or to do what I'm doing now because I said I am a techie because I could not see myself outside of a techie persona that it doesn't give me permission to actually do anything outside. And I think so many parallels with what you shared about the writing that article, but also that what you're transforming. So thank you for, for sharing that. Thank you so much. Yeah. So now standing in the present moment, can you share now a bit more about what has that allowed you to do or even dream? And then maybe share a bit more about the foundation and the dream that you have. Sure. Thank you very much. Again, that's a wonderful question. Uh, it means a lot. I have to say what I was fearful about it. Entrepreneur is a journey which I was not prepared to take, to be very honest. So, see, I had grown up Singapore startup ecosystem. I was managing startups for a while. So I've been into that startup development phase, how the boom happened, how uh, APAC became the unicorns they created. That was like, it's a big deal. But for me, there is always a side of me which is always afraid. What if I say? The first thing is, what if I fail? We don't think, see, as a mind, as a human being, we always think we might fail. We don't think the upside of it. What if I win is not there? What if I fail? The first fear that strikes you is, I don't know how to do business. I don't know whether I'll be successful. See, as a woman as well, we are very cautious. Our thought process is very cautious. And we want to step, we don't want to get out of the comfort zone. And somewhere strongly within myself, I've seen some of the stories, which is not very exciting. And see, what we hear in the news and all that, so many big names, they come about. We only learn about the glamour that exists, the success story. But we don't know the journey that has made them reach that destination. So this is one thing not known to people. And so you're constantly fearful. And when you go meet some of these uh, startups and understand the journey, first thing is they tell you what didn't work with them. How miserable they were, how what are, how great a failure they are, how challenging it has been for them itself. So these things le let me always be very cautious and I didn't want to journey that. So I was very comfort and comfortable in my corporate career and I was doing well and I, had, I could do more. But my principal said something very important. He said, you know what, today you're, you can make a difference only within a framework. You're in a fish tank and you can only operate within that framework. But when you venture out and do something significant, the impact that you will make in this world is phenomenal. And also, you will be able to lead in the way you want. So I'm always aspired to be a leader, which the world is yet to witness. So this is my own personal ambition. And every time I've gone through some tough times with your bosses and many others in the world, you always end up learning what you don't want to do when you come to that position. So this is, again, has been my greatest learning. And today, if you ask me, do you have a role model which, uh, whom you want to follow? There are hardly very few people. And for me, one of the role models in the material world that I would say is Leonardo da Vinci. How brilliant he was, genius he was, and how much of effort he put in becoming who he is. So it's not about just being a leader. It's about being a great leader. The word greatness is something that you have to develop. It's not something that you can have. It's something that you have to practice. And at that time, it was so inspiring to me. And being a spiritualist in my personal life, I'm, if you ask me who I want to emulate is Lord Shri Krishna Bhagwan. So Lord Shri Krishna is my role model. I want to be like him. Even just one, not even one percent, just a dot of him, you know. Mm. And that led me saying, I want to do something. And I took those steps. 
with lot of hesitation initially but later when i started studying i started learning i i faced my fears head on and that is when i started achieving freedom from the fear do that which you think you can't do it face your fears head on was my mantra and when i ventured in there i realized everything is only a creation of your mind but mm. you can do it when you believe in yourself you can do it and yeah. this is it became even more crystal clear no i'm going to go to do and i want to be my own leader i want to set or i want to set an example for the world to follow mm. so this inspired me and i want to do something for the world so that was my yeah. ultimate motivation can you share an example of facing your fear head on what did you do what was scary about that and how was that process so for me moving out of singapore moving back to india initially everybody said oh how are we going to manage what is going to happen i took that big step i moved back and it was like i'm i've always lived in india is i've never mm. been out of the country so it is easy back moving in see everybody tries to have their own perception or realities how they want to project the world to be or whatever so don't go by what people so say you just listen in but always use your own judgment to take what is right for you this is again very important and then i did that and second thing is there was a fear and okay what if i lose the job what if i don't have money all these kind of fears mm. and there was a point when i lost my job and that is to me facing my fears at all because mm-hmm. we all get we hold a straw we clinch to that straw and think this is what is making my life but when i faced that particular moment i realized that is not what is making my life mm. i'm very good and i'm far capable than that so that gave me a whole new um, dimension to understand life understand me better and mm. to take that next step of where i want to journey and mm. want to, what i want to become it gave me thought of clarity so f- facing your fears head on so i was not afraid yeah. after that because we believe if the job is not there your security is gone and it mm. is not true the same example yeah. for me starting my own company itself getting out of the fear and i felt i don't know how to start a company i don't know how to go through the process but when i went through that whole process learning hands on mm. i think on a phenomenal and today i can teach the world it's so simple and easy you just can do it mm. nothing is impossible it's all in your mind absolutely thank you for sharing those examples can you share a bit about your vision now and what challenges do you see let's say in the near future Okay so right now the vision is two things one is with my uh, foundation the focus is on knowledge enablement and with my technology company the focus is on technology enablement so which is complementary to each other uh, so knowledge enablement without technology is not going to happen because today we are in the era of technology and everything is going to be automated in the future so for me bringing that digital divide bridging the gap is key so i believe technology the power of technology means you have to it has to be digital inclusion it can't be just exclusive world so everybody mm. has to be a part of the journey so that is why i am focused on bringing the technology enablement at grassroots mm. so both in a rural and urban sector so that's the vision but social impact in different aspects like i said cognitive capability development holistic living sustainability and also through all that is through knowledge enablement and when you mm. have knowledge you care about the world so what is missing is the knowledge the right knowledge and this whole program is designed to address different target markets starting from 6 to 60 plus right now my first cohort is going on and i'm in the process of launching the flagship program very soon to the world in a month's time mm. so that's the vision and yeah. the thing is to give back my whole motto is it's about giving back and teaching people how to achieve success 
uh, which is uh, not a short term but a long term. Mm-hmm. Uh, success doesn't mean uh, money, name, fame, power, position. Success means you excel. Um, mm. You become. You work towards the path of becoming great and reaching your destination in the most beautiful manner. Um, but what today people don't understand is success. They always equate equated to money, when power, name, fame, but they do not focus on excelling themselves. Mm. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. So what? So this is a huge dream, right? This is a huge vision. What are some of those biggest uh, pain points or struggles that you are facing or that you think that you will face on the journey? There are uh, quite a few. Okay. So when I initially began the journey itself, it all began from ground zero, which means I have to first enable myself with the right knowledge. So knowledge is what I started acquiring, learning. So you have to also learn from people who have made it in their life, who have been the great leaders, Uh trying to understand what worked, what didn't work, and knowledge about the business. You have to learn everything, the process. So today, if I'm setting up an organization, like I've set up an organization in India, so I have to learn uh, all the rules, regulation, the government policies, and I have to work accordingly. So for me, it is following a straight path. So a simple example, a lot of people told me, oh, you can't, it's a highly bureaucratic country. You cannot do anything without uh, certain following. You have to follow certain norms, which is what the world defined. But I have defied all those things. I have uh-huh. um, sh- shown and followed the path, which is very straight. And I have been able to achieve. So to me, I think it is more of how you make it. It's people's created. Okay. So you uh-huh. can transcend those uh, uh societal norms and show how you can be that one who is able mm. to take the road not taken, right? So that is number one. And the challenges are going to be like people are going to dissuade you. People are There are going to be a lot of naysayers saying, no, what are you doing? You can't achieve. You cannot do it in India. It's next to impossible. Look at the government. They're going to blame the whole system, everything. But I've had the patience. I have walked that path. I've learned the process sometimes by for, you know falling down and you get uh-huh. up again, you run. So that's the journey. And this next thing is, it's about then, especially when you're in the startup journey, you need funding. Now, you know what? The entire VC world, it's a, it's again a stereotype. Everybody says, oh, today it's very difficult to get funding. You have to do this. You have to show this. And for me, one thing I know, my preceptor always taught, has taught me. When you believe in yourself and when you understand, you can always, you don't have to follow the normal route. There is always... A road not taken and that is what we have to follow and he says it's about speaking uh, you have to pitch to thousand people you, you know what 999 doors might close but there might be one door which will open for you and even then this this universe where 8 billion people this there must be somebody even like 0.1 percent somebody will want to do uh, what you wa- want to invest in what you're doing your idea your passion everything so don't give up and don't go by what happens i think those oh. failures are what uh, are are the ones that make you stronger. And to me, I'm not going with any expectations. I've crossed the time frame of uh, the hard hard ones or the hard breaks when everybody, Mm. somebody says, oh, oh, this is not great. I've gone past that. Today, I go with my full heart to share what exactly I'm doing. And I'm not expecting that I need to get a yes. I go with a winning attitude. Whatever might be the end result, I just leave it to the universe to work that magic out. That has been my greatest strength. And the obstacles, like I said, everybody shut doors, they say a lot of things. It's actually very demotivating. Yeah. You question yourself. Have you taken the right decision? Hmm. 
and and that is why today, if you look at the entire wealth of this universe, is only with one percent of the population, and ninety nine point nine nine percent are still below average people in this world. So yeah. I have to defy all of that. You have to go through this journey. Hmm. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think what you are just describing is exactly what uh, like uh, Lord Krishna taught, right? That focusing on the action right now and letting and without attachment to what might happen and the action coming not from like a pull towards the result or success, but more towards like from your dharma, from what your duty is. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, earlier you spoke about practices, right? And how you become great. So on this path, with this challenging path, I would use that word, what are your practices? What are you doing daily, weekly, that is supporting you or that is enabling you to become the kind of person or leader that you need to be to make this happen? The first most important thing that I practice and which again my preceptor has taught me from day one is you need to learn. You have to learn. Knowledge is what is very critical, which means you have to study. And he has said that the greatest of the people, they spend minimum four to eight hours studying on different subjects. So for me to run a business, for me to do something significant in this world, because I need knowledge. And knowledge is what I'm acquiring. And every single day I learn continuously. I live with my preceptor and he teach. He, he's, he's knowledge himself. So he keeps teaching. And I continue learning every day like a child. What I understood is it's never, it's better late than never. He's not old to, they always say, oh, I'm old now, I can't do this. No, there's no age to learning. This is very important that people have to understand. No matter where you are, start now. And it's perfect. But you have to start. Invest in yourself, which is about acquiring that knowledge. First is knowledge. And then how do you apply that? Simple things. Discipline is very important aspect. I'll give a very simple discipline in a business. When you run a business, so you have to make certain statutory payments and those and all that, which means today I ensure that it's before time those payments go in some of these things. I ensure those uh, submissions happen. So yeah. it's about time. You have to be very consistent in doing these things. That's called a discipline, a simple practice. A uh, lot of people ignore these basic, the fundamentals of running a company or a business. Yeah, you have people doing this, but even people do overlook it, look at it. Mm. So first, you have to dirty your hands and do it yourself. So today, I don't have people, I don't have any support. See, when you work for corporate, you have your, when you're a vice president, you have your uh, EA, you have so many people. But my preceptor said, no, you need to be hands on everything. You need to gain the knowledge yourself. You have to become your own uh, assistant, your own everything. And to me, that is what I'm doing. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for yeah sharing that. You you used the word preceptor a, a few times. Can you share a bit more about that or like some other key people who have made a big influence in your lives? Okay, so my preceptor is also my spiritual master. Uh, so I'm studying under his tutelage for the last 15 years. He's not a celebrity guru. He's a very simple person. Um, and um, he's the most humblest being that I've ever seen. I think that's what greatness describes is humility. And, and he might have all the knowledge in the world, but he'd always say, I don't know. And he'll show himself as so humble that it's amazing. For me, I wouldn't even dare <laughs> tell him that I know. First, when we when initially when I first met him 15 years back, 15 years ago, it's like you try to tell him, no, you know, this is how it works. This is how we try to give our knowledge, what we have acquired. But then once I 
understood when he started teaching me, I learned, oh my God, he's knowledge incarnate. I, I can't even open my mouth in front of him. And that makes you become very humble. And I learned from him how to be humble. It's very interesting. He had his uh, ecclesia. He had gone through a unique disease. And during at that moment, though, he had to undergo a procedure and the procedure failed and he went into coma. So the doctor almost declared him dead. And the next morning he woke up and sat. And since then, any scripture that he opens, the knowledge, the explanations flow from his mouth. So it's a self-revealed knowledge and uh, it's not something that he has ever learned in his life. So that's a little bit of, he goes by the name Krishna Guruji. Krishna mm-hmm. Ji is what he's known for. And in the internet, he takes, he teaches and he has his channel, but he doesn't have too many followers. Only those who have to come to him can come to him. And those who are interested can go and listen to his uh, satsangs and hmm. all his teachings are there in the internet. Yeah. That's a little bit yeah. about him. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I think following up from that, what role do you see for like mentors or coaches or, or people like even, even spirituality for leaders who want to like make something happen or who have a big dream inside uh, themselves? How do you see that uh, for any leader? It's a very interesting question, but I'll, I'll go one part at a time, right? Sure, See, sure. see today, the word spiritual is also a very abused word, unfortunately. Everybody is using spirituality to dole out whatever they think that they want to just hmm. tell people. Like I said, first is having the right knowledge is very important. And second important thing is spirituality is nothing but it teaches you that all the potential is within us. It's not outside. That is why... The empowerment is at the roots. So I have to unravel my own hidden capabilities. Mm. So when you understand your strength, you become confident and also you are able to do a lot more in this world. Rather than trying to becoming, like I said, fear is the biggest uh, thing that drives a human being. Mm -hmm. But the word spirituality teaches absolute fearlessness. And it teaches you how to be walking the path of truth. So it's like we say, it's truth, knowledge and bliss is Mm. what you gain. But that comes with a lot of practice and understanding about the subject. It's not something that you can learn overnight. Again, like what I like to tell the world or mentors or anybody, you need to first perfect your knowledge before you teach the world because giving the right knowledge is very critical than giving half-baked knowledge to them. Because we all go by what we see and what our mind understands. We never, we are very superfluous people. We don't go deep into a subject matter to learn it in the right manner and then give it to the world. So this is what is missing. And this is what I have learned in the last 15 years that what I had learned right from my school. See, first of all, the curriculum that you learn in the school has no value by the time you come to your careers because school doesn't prepare you to face the world. That's a very unfortunate part. Our education system does not prepare us there. So whatever we've learned is very bookish knowledge and it doesn't give you the practical understanding about how do you live in this so that's where my emphasis will be on mm. that you first get that right knowledge and please be that guiding light to the people. It's not just mentoring and giving some 10,000 square feet level of do's and don'ts. Does this help? Mm. Have to be their strength, be part of their transformation and yeah. ensure that they get to the destination where they want. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I think we can go on and on, but I would also like to close this. And before we end this, I think listeners will be left with a lot of questions or curiosity after what you have shared, because there are so many angles, there's so much depth in what you have shared, right? Starting from fear to spirituality and what you shared in the end. 
So what is the best way for people to reach out to you or to find out more about you? I'm available on LinkedIn. My phone number is there. My mobile number is, I can share my mobile number. It's, it's India number. So it's 7899-225459. They can reach out to me on LinkedIn. My profile is there very much. So Rajshri Rao. You can add in my name and whatever sure. the link it's possible. I can share that with you. And they can send a message to me. And I'm very much open to connect. Thank you. Thank you. I will make sure to include those with the show notes. And as we end this, I would like to wish you all the best for everything that lies ahead in that journey that is unfolding for you. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Sumit. It's a pleasure. Uh, really wonderful for giving me this opportunity to share my story and journey with you, with the audience as well. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast. And I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction, not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality. And I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.